Good afternoon, folks. I'm your host, Jeff McNeil. Uh, this is Coast to Coast Outdoors, episode 17. And I'd like to welcome uh, MP Blaine Hawkins, chair of the uh, Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus to the show. Welcome, Blaine. Oh, it's good to be here. Thanks for the invite, Jeff. Thanks for taking the time to uh, join me here today to touch on some uh, some issues, obviously, and some questions there that a lot of hunters and trappers, as well as anglers, uh, like to like to hear and and whatnot. I know there's been a lot, Blaine, that uh, don't really know what uh, what the Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus does, obviously, and some people haven't even heard of you guys. So that's why I said, you know what? Let's see if we can get Blaine sure. and that on the show just to engage and uh let our viewers know exactly what uh what it is you guys do so uh blaine uh, uh when did uh the, the conservative hunting and angling caucus start who makes up the panel and what exactly do you guys do so the conservative hunting and angling caucus has been around for a number of years now i, I don't have a specific date but it goes back to uh, my uh, pre former colleague robert sopak uh, and a number of other people. Um, he was an MP for Manitoba. He's uh, since retired, but we started up, uh, well, I'll call it a partisan side to um, being able to get things done on behalf of uh, conservation, hunters, anglers, uh, trappers in Canada. And we saw the need was there because uh, some of the decisions that were being made, whether they're instigated from bureaucracy or instigated from governments, uh, needed to have uh, a partisan swipe taken at them from time to time. Um, normally it's nice to get things done in a collaborative approach. So we have a parliamentary outdoor caucus for that, which involves members from all parties, but the conservative hunting and angling caucus is just conservatives. And, uh, after this last election, we've reconvened, um, even though we only have 120, uh, some members of parliament and a handful of senators left, uh, I am proud to say that well over 30 and we've had up to 50 uh, MPs and senators, uh, members of the conservative hunting and angling caucus. And we take a look at all of the issues that are facing our country. Of course, firearms uh, is a big issue right now. Uh, sure but uh, we, we would certainly address um, uh, any of the issues that affect uh, hunting and angling. And of course, when you get into the uh, coastal areas of Canada where uh, tidewater fishing licenses are sold, that's the jurisdiction of the government of Canada. So migratory birds is another example. And of course, national parks and other uh, conservation um, initiatives. So we've done some great stuff over the years. Uh, we, uh, When Jim Flaherty was the finance minister, we uh, asked him to start up something called the Recreational Conservation Fisheries Partnership Program. Uh, so that we could actually take some of the tax dollars that uh, hunters, anglers, and um, trappers pay and uh, put it back into conservation and partner with groups and organizations across the country to actually get those benefits that we that we know that we can get if we actually involve the people who are out on the land or on the water. And uh, so we've um, we just got to get uh, we got to get some more uh, some more conservatives in Ottawa, and we'll, uh, life should get a lot better for uh, hunters, anglers, and trappers. Well, hopefully. Uh uh, previously, when your uh, government was in there, we've uh, we we seen what you guys have done, right? Uh, uh, it's uh, it was helpful yeah. to all all parties across the board that are in the the hunting and fishing aspect. So look, uh, we did a number of things uh, when Stephen Harper was the prime minister that uh, were good. We had the uh, hunting and angling advisory panel that uh, consisted of people from across the country from various organizations that had a direct roundtable access to the Prime Minister of Canada to talk about these issues. Um, so, you know, those are the kinds of things that uh, can really make a difference. Uh, you know, of course, our, our our position on firearms is that we trust law-abiding firearms and uh, owners in this country, and we uh, we don't play politics with their livelihoods or their lifestyles. We uh, we support um, 
lawful firearm ownership for hunting for uh, if you happen to be on a farm and you need this as a, one of your tools if you're a sport shooter uh, we have olympians uh, proud we have a proud history of uh, as a country of having olympians that are sport shooters and right now we have a government that's um that's uh, basically uh, selling a misinformation campaign as justification for uh, taking away firearms that they certainly don't need to be. And uh, the, the latest uh, list of firearms that I've seen, I don't have it here in front of me right now, but it includes a rimfire, uh, rimfire 22s and 17 HMRs, for example. These are these are these are not problematic firearms in uh, in our nation at all. For sure, and there's a lot of people that are affected by that, obviously. Uh, which is one of our questions that uh, we'll, we'll probably touch on farther down, obviously. Uh, now, Blaine, how can hunters and trappers and anglers, for, for that matter, reach out to you guys? Okay, well, that's great. We're on social media. So if you're on Facebook, uh, just look up Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus, uh, and you'll see that we have a Facebook page that's there. Uh, right now, we're running a recreational fishing, fishing contest. So I have a number of my colleagues across the country that have all made... Uh, custom MP uh, fishing lures, um, and uh, they're, uh, we're, we're, um, we're having a competition right now, so people are submitting pictures of fish that they've caught with those MP fishing lures. We're having a great time. Uh, there's the summer competition right there, so I would encourage people to follow that page, uh, whether um, you typically vote conservative or not. It at least shows you some of the issues that we're uh, dealing with and fighting for, uh, and we're also on uh, Instagram as well, so uh, people can look us up there and follow what we're doing. And uh, if you need to get a hold of us, that's a prime way to get a hold of um, of a member of the Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus. Uh, but also just reach out to your MP and say, hey, you know, are you a member of the Conservative? If, it's just, if they're a Conservative MP, say, hey, are you a member of the Hunting and Angling Caucus? Hunting and angling and trapping issues are important to me. Go join this caucus and uh, we'll even get some more support. Um, but um, yeah, that's what we're there for. Uh, our mandate and uh, our mission is to basically uh, not only uh, protect and preserve, but to promote uh, hunting and fishing and trapping and conservation. Uh, across this country that's that's good to know because a lot of our viewers actually asked about that and it was a it was a question there i figured i'd tailor for you to to answer as well rather than just pointing to the facebook page obviously so yeah. and uh, we meet and we meet quite regularly too i mean there's a lot of ongoing issues uh, things that have come up over the years but i'll let you continue to ask your questions i think this stuff will all get uh, <laughs> fleshed out when you ask your questions uh, uh, i think it will uh now, Blaine, a lot of uh, anglers in uh, Canada, as well uh, as well as trappers and hunters, obviously, like if they have an issue, how does that work for them to have it addressed, uh, say, with you guys in caucus and bring it to the parliamentary floor, I guess? Well, that's a great question. So right now um, we're very active. Um, uh, across the country, there's a number of issues that are affecting uh, fisheries. Uh, for example, Pacific salmon right now is a very hot button political issue. Uh, there's a lot of demand uh, on Pacific salmon, but uh, due to COVID and a number of other uh, government restrictions, uh, the Department of Fisheries and Oceans, for example, has made it life very, very difficult for people on the West Coast in particular. Uh, if you earn a living uh, taking people uh, fishing for salmon, uh, life has got a lot more difficult for you. Um, if you uh, are a pipeline company and you want to get a pipeline built to the West Coast, life has gotten very difficult for you because of the politicization of uh, a lot of issues uh, that affect our coastal areas. So uh, these, this is a per perfect opportunity for a group like the Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus to get involved, uh, to work with the stakeholders, to actually understand the issues that are uh, on the ground. So I spend uh, a portion of my time uh, when I have some free time uh, pursuing those uh, on behalf of the Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus as the chair. So 
but it's an easy thing to do because I, I am a, I'm a hunter, I'm a fisherman and, uh, or an angler. And um, so this is a, a, a passion for me and it's a passion for a lot of the people in the caucus. So we've got a broad cross section of people that are in the caucus. We've got people that currently are, have, had, have owned uh, hunting and fishing lodges in, uh, in Canada and, and virtually everybody that's in the caucus is, uh, is an active hunter or fisherman. It's, it's interesting to know uh, that there's more people that go fishing in Canada every year than play uh, golf and hockey combined. So uh, there's a lot of people in this country that uh, look forward to those recreational uh, fishing opportunities, and uh, we're here to support them in every way we can. And and with that, there's a lot of anglers and hunters and trappers throughout Canada that pay big money in the conservation programs that the average Joe public may not realize. Well, I've always maintained and uh, we've always argued that uh, it's uh, hunters and anglers and trappers that know the land best. Uh, we're the ones that are out there. Uh, it's what we do with all of our spare time. It's what we do with our uh, spare coins in our pocket. Uh, you'll find us at the, the local tackle shop or the gun shop. Uh, uh, we're always waiting or say I am too, uh, waiting and saving up for, uh, for that next trip, for that next uh, piece of equipment that I'm going to need. And um, that next uh, little bit of time that I'll have off to uh, to get out into the woods or get out along a stream or get out on a lake. So uh, we contribute billions, over $14 billion, I believe, annually to the uh, GDP of the country. Um, and uh, we employ thousands and thousands of people. And you take a look at um, the guides and outfitters uh, in the north. You take a look at uh, the fishing guides and lodges that we have on our coasts. Uh, there, This is a huge industry. And people come from all over the world. Uh, to come and uh, and um, share these resources with us side by side, and it creates jobs, it creates, creates wealth and opportunity. And the other thing about this is a lot of that money, when it's partnered up, and if you uh, get involved with, say, uh, here in Alberta, we have the Fish and Game Associations, there's rod mm -hmm. and gun clubs, there's uh, these organizations uh, do their own fundraising, and they are tr tremendous conservationists as well. So it's grassroots people that know best what the community needs, whether it's uh, if they need aeration in a trout pond, if they need some money to do some... Uh, uh, stream remediation or whatever the case might be. Uh, the government of Canada does not have all the answers in Ottawa, but what we can do is take the resources that we've um, gotten from whether it's uh, hunting license fees or, or what have you, or just general tax revenue, and we can put that back into the community with partnership programs with actual conservationists, people that actually do the work, not the people that, you know, get all the airtime, not the people that, you know, talk uh, from their armchairs and <laughs> and, and goodness knows wherever, but the actual people who have the rubber boots, uh, the gloves, the camo, and are out there doing the doing the work, uh, whether they're doing a fish save or wh whatever the case might be, they're they're the people that are out there uh, on the ground, and those are the people that uh, that we're responding to, and that we want to that we want to not only uh, like I said protect their way of life, uh, but also promote uh, this way of life because I I think there's a there's a bit of a disconnect I think some would say, and I've heard this from a lot of people. Uh, between um, the outdoor way of life and uh, other people's perceptions of what should uh, what we should be doing with the Canadian outdoors. So, uh, and also, you know, here's the other thing too. And I, I don't know about, um, I don't know about how, how a lot of people feel about these kinds of things. But I look at it this way. So I'm a hunter. So when I, I just went and uh, I started bow hunting this year, I just went down and I bought my conservation certificate uh, from the province of Alberta. I bought my bow hunting permit. I bought my Upland game bird license. I bought my uh, tags for elk and deer, and mm -hmm. I look at all that. Uh, it's several hundred dollars that I've uh, that I've paid for the privilege of of hunting. The government of Alberta actually has a responsibility to manage wildlife, 
And uh, whether it's for insurance purposes to keep deer populations down for highway safety or whatever the case might be, the government of Alberta is responsible for managing. Well, I have now taken my after-tax dollars, the money that I have for my earnings after I've already paid that layer of taxes across the top. And now I've paid the province of Alberta for the privilege to go hunting in Alberta to further help them manage wildlife. I don't know of too many other groups in this country that actually pay their own government for the privilege of helping that government manage its resources. So, you know, we have a lot to be proud of as, uh, as hunters and anglers in this country. We sure do. And what's, what's ironic here is uh, sometimes I see myself going head to head with hikers and bird watchers and that saying, well, we're utilizing trails and that. Well, well, the trails were paid for by ATV and snowmobile users, and they're the ones that maintain it. Uh, hunters and trappers are the ones that are out there uh, putting up bird boxes and that for conservation efforts, uh, whether it be with DU or Delta Waterfowl or or just a local organization like uh, one that I'm president of, uh, Port Morgan Wildlife, obviously. And we, we do so much, and sometimes it gets uh, a blind eye turned to it. And I know, Blaine, you've touched on issues there in the conversation with uh, issues with DFO. And hmm. I can tell you, DFO, like a couple of years back, they wanted to come out with a saltwater license, something similar to what British Columbia has on the Atlantic coast here. And uh, I'll tell you, some of the stuff like we had to deal with bureaucracy-wise, uh, I'll go on record saying that what was discussed at the meetings did not go on government letterhead to the ones overseeing the cons uh, consultation processes, which was disheartening and questions arose. And now I hmm. think the whole $22 fee that they want to charge uh, in Eastern Canada now for a saltwater fishing license for, for species has kind of stagnated a little bit. But uh, it, uh, it was one of them issues there where we said, well, hey, BC, you're allowed to do this. You're allowed to do that. If you're going to implement the saltwater license, let's try to work the same role and routine in here. We don't mind paying the $22, but let's kind of have a, a level playing field. But uh, British Columbia compared to the East Coast when it comes to recreational fishing, they're 10 years ahead of us. I'll say that. Well, maybe a little bit more. And you know what? I'm, I'm not going to, I'm just going to say this. Look, I, I've uh, had the privilege of traveling across uh, the country and um, you know, commercial fishing is a much more culturally ingrained uh, in Atlantic Canada than it is in, uh, uh, I'll say, on the West Coast. Um, and you have a lot more coast out there than we have. We have a very, actually, people don't realize this. They think that we have this huge West Coast. But if you take a look at where Alaska starts and where uh, where Washington starts, there's actually a fairly narrow strip of, um, of uh, Western Canadian coastline. So we have to be very careful in how we manage that. But uh, look, I'm not anti-commercial fishing. I know that... Um, done right and responsibly it adds to our um, economy and it puts um, uh, fish on the plate of people who wouldn't otherwise have that opportunity not everybody is going to have the opportunity to go out and go fishing but I've also been uh, to Atlantic Canada and I went out on a lobster boat uh, <laughs> with my kids when they were really small we were staying in uh, in uh, Prince Edward Island we were standing up, uh, up near Cavendish if I remember correctly a place called Stanley Bridge I think is what it was and uh, for a, for a, about $150, I took myself and my two boys out for a couple of hours. We caught some mackerel and we jigged for some cod. We caught a couple of cod, uh, caught a few other things. We just had a great old time. And there's a perfect example of how uh, a lobster ang a lobster fisherman, a commercial fisherman in Atlantic Canada, was all augmenting his income by taking people recreational fishing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's a great thing. And why why not explore all of those opportunities? Why don't we look at the what is the best value that we can get? 
uh, for the resources that we have, um, because those, those resources are public resources. They belong to all of us. And let's get that maximum experience, that maximum opportunity uh, for people. And if, uh, if that's through sport fishing uh, some of the time, then uh, by all means, let's get at it and have a good time. I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, uh, sometimes it seems underdeveloped with a lot of things, and uh, it takes the right people in government to spearhead progress, obviously, and for so long it doesn't seem to be the way, unfortunately. Uh, but like anything, uh, I'm sure you're seeing it out there with the outfitters in uh, Alberta as well as BC and elsewhere, even uh, outfitters here in New Brunswick and Newfoundland are feeling the, the burden COVID has put on everything. Oh, oh. it's, um, look, I, I try and maintain a positive outlook. So I've got friends that, um, uh, that are outfitters that live here in central Alberta. They outfit all over the place. They outfit in, in the Northwest Territories and the Yukon. Uh, the territorial governments uh, this summer have made it virtually impossible. As an Albertan, I still don't even think I'm allowed into the Yukon, for example. Uh, of course, uh, many of these uh, northern outfitters um, uh, rely heavily on foreign uh, um, foreign uh, guests to come in, and um, and but it's it's much, it's much more than that, Jeff. You know, you take a look at, um, and I don't, I'm not going to single one out, but let's just say that there's a a lodge in the Yukon that uh, offers 40 moose hunts a year. Um, most of that meat from those 40 moose, if they get all 40 moose, and they probably can do that, um, most of that meat is donated to local First Nations communities. And if you get, uh, say, 2,000 pounds of uh, meat off of a Yukon moose, uh, that's 40 tons of uh, meat that is no longer made available for free on the tables of Indigenous uh, Canadians in the north. That's a food security issue as well as a revenue issue for that lodge. And the Government of Canada's programs, and we were... Uh, I've been fighting with them uh, ever since the spring is uh, designed for, uh, you know, what did you do for revenue in the previous few months? Well, if you're a, a seasonal uh, lodge or outfitter, mm -hmm. uh, and if you have highly seasonal uh, revenue flows, uh, you didn't qualify for anything at the start of the summer. And of course, with the border closures and all of the uncertainty and the interprovincial and territorial border closures, tremendous uncertainty for lots of uh, guides, outfitters, lodges, um, in um, in our country and it's really really uh, tough it's really a shame because um, like i said not only do they provide jobs in a lot of communities where there is only two or three options or two or three industries in those smaller or remote mm -hmm. communities but they add food security for uh, neighboring indigenous communities and um, uh, you know again too uh, some of these uh, lodges because they're issued to the tags or um, they're also part of the wildlife management uh, structure for the, the territory and, uh, territories and provincial governments. So um, we're losing on all fronts there, and uh, we need a solution to, um, uh, to get people uh, back to work and make sure, uh, make sure we don't lose any of these uh, most valuable businesses that we have. They're tremendous tourism opportunities uh, for people both uh, from Canada and from around the world. And uh, like I said, provide invaluable employment, wildlife management, and food security. And... Um, don't don't appear to be getting the respect that they deserve from the current government. And that's that's no surprise. I know there's a lot of provincial governments there that are still trying to figure out how to fit in the guides and the outfitters for for some stimulus package, I guess. But uh, it's it's a difficult one. And you know what, Blaine? There, I think uh, before this COVID is done, we're going to see a lot of businesses, uh, small businesses that are outfitters and guides and even small bait and tackle shops throughout Canada suffer 
through it uh, harder than they, they normally would. Some may actually have to close their doors, which is very unfortunate, yeah. and uh, nobody wants to see that, obviously. So hopefully something good can come out of the, the situation that we've been dealt with COVID, obviously. Yeah, so the Hunting and Angling Caucus is very much aware of, of these uh, uh, these issues. And like I said, we'll continue to press the government. We have a speech from the throne coming up. We'll see if they've listened. And, um, you know, we'll have an opportunity to uh, hold them to, to account. And it might just take a change in government to, to change the attitude. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we can change the attitude, obviously. Yeah. So... It's. I know you guys probably get a lot of questions and comments, obviously, that come through on a, an everyday basis, obviously. So the issues you try to address the best you can, obviously, within Parliament. Uh, I'm, I'm sure some of them you win, some of them you lose, obviously. Uh, but uh, that's just how the politics game is, I guess, when it comes to that stuff. Uh what are some of the future projects the the conservative uh, hunting and angling caucus are working on Blaine? so right now we're you know we we have some proactive things that we're doing uh and we try to have a little bit of fun this summer with that uh, fishing challenge but you know by and large actually uh so we're, we're going to be uh pressing the government for the economic changes we're going to be pressing the government for changes on the firearms we're going to be continuing to do all of those things so we have a very active role in in uh whether we're pressuring uh other parties or whether we're uh used as a research tool within our own uh, political party um that's uh we'll continue to do that but also we just deal with issues as they arise you know when um when uh, there was a le proposed lead ban twice now in the last couple of years um to ban all lead from fishing tackle, for example, and most people don't realize this, but that you know the little treble hook that's on your fishing lure, uh, the little weld that weld that third hook on there, uh, contains uh, traces of lead, and some of the other uh, uh, components that we have in a fishing lure might contain trace uh, traces of lead in it, and um, uh, not to mention just lead sinkers, lead weights, and other things that we use in fishing, and uh, without any uh, tremendous scientific uh, evidence to back it up, the government of Canada was trying to uh, impose these lead bans on ammunition and fishing tackle. And, uh, you know, these are the kinds of things that we face all the time. You talk about, um, you know, whether it's uh, hunting privileges in national parks, whether it's uh, managing mm -hmm. wildlife populations uh, on uh, federal crown land. Uh, these are all things that uh, are always uh, on the front and center. Uh, the government here a few years ago tried to up the cost of a migratory bird uh, license. And um, while I think most hunters would say, well, it hasn't been changed in a long time, we're okay with it. There's a 50-50 split right now. 50% of that money goes into the... Uh, a habitat fund, 50% of that money goes into general revenue. They were going to increase the cost of the license, but only increase the amount that went into general revenue and not actually increase the amount that went into the habitat fund. So these are the kinds of things that we're constantly guarding against and being vigilant about and pressuring the government to do the right thing. So the government's going to increase the cost of a hunting license for migratory birds. Better darn well be putting more money into con con uh, conservation fund for, uh, for migratory birds. That's uh, what we as hunters would want to see. We're the ones that are paying that bill. And it's 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 ironic you should mention that because we looked at the same thing here and we went uh, up with uh, the Nova Scotia government saying that if you're going to increase the license, we want to see more being given back to conservation projects, obviously. And that that actually slowed down any increase in licenses, Blaine, uh, uh, because I don't think they wanted to uh, share any revenues uh, that come in, obviously, from from the sale of the licenses. But for transparency purposes, uh, I, I do want to note that me and you did meet in Brookfield at the uh, Women That Hunch Youth Expo. Yeah, uh, fantastic in, event, by the way. Uh, 
I'll tell you, they do an amazing job for what they do. Kudos to them. Uh, me and Blaine actually had mess because uh, I was up there with uh, our organization, and and we had something not promoting a lead ban, but lead education, obviously. Yeah. So it's too, it's kind of night and day when you think of it. Uh, we were looking at educating hunters and anglers on the options available to lead, uh, which is uh, a little bit different than the the ban approach, obviously. But but that's the way to do it, Jeff. That's the way to do it, right? More education is key, obviously. So that's the way to do it. Look, uh, I mean, the, the way the government was going to approach it, though, was just to implement an immediate lead uh, ban on all lead ammunition. Well, ninety-five percent of that ammunition ends up in the back of a, a back of a hill at the back of a shooting range. It doesn't end up uh, being used in the in, in hunting. And the best way to do this, if you want to convince somebody, and I know uh, I think Nova Scotia has actually got uh, probably the highest uh, use of non-lead ammunition. Uh, uh, but you got to convince people. You got to you got to give them. You got to show them. You got to do that. Do it that way. You got to you got to prepare the runway before you land the plane, and uh, that's um, that's something that the government doesn't want to do. They just want to impose these um, um, ham-fisted uh, bans on things without actually uh, taking into consideration the uh, the long-term consequences. So, but these R- are the issues that come up. Roll with an iron fist most times. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how I see it. With sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but but you're right. Uh, Nova Scotia does have a high number of people using non-lead, uh, and that uh, that in part took place due to uh, Dr. Helene Vendonik and uh, the eagles that were coming in testing high. Uh, I'll be quite honest. I'll be the first one to tell you. Me and her didn't see eye to eye at first on that, the whole thing. But when you start seeing the science in first hand, and you, you do an approach that is different. Uh, Geez, we did uh, a lead ammunition exchange, and uh, when we did one here in Cape Breton, we had 7,500 rounds of ammunition in three hours mm-hmm. come in. And, uh, like, people left there with boxes of ammunition that were worth a heck of a lot more than they came in with. Uh, but uh, it uh, it worked out uh, for that part because now people got a little educated. But, again, it's not pushing a ban down people's throat, yep. obviously. It's, yep. People uh, people will be uh, reasonable if you reason with them. And that's that's a fact, right? Uh, yep. you, you you can't go pushing stuff down because you're just going to cause total chaos, obviously. Which is so. why uh, the, the current government's approach on firearms legislation is doomed to failure because it um, there's they're not reasoning with uh, law-abiding firearms owners and uh, completely putting the um, pardon the pun the, the target on the wrong Canadians and mm-hmm. uh, not dealing with the real issue, which is dangerous and violent crime. And um, that's where the government should be focusing their time and efforts. And we all know that as hunters, people that own firearms, we all know that. We know that we're not and the problem. We actually know that we're the safest people in the country when it comes to actually having, if anybody should have a firearm in their hands, it should be uh, people that have the license to do so. And uh, we are the most trusted uh, uh, to do so in this country for, um, for obvious reasons. And and that leads us into our next question, because that the firearms one blame is a very hot uh, topic, obviously. Okay. So... How has the Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus addressed the firearms law changes? Because many uh, law-abiding firearms owners feel like we are treated by the current government as criminals. Absolutely. While the law does nothing to the hardened criminals. Uh, As you've seen, Blaine, as well as many of us firearms owners that hunt and trap, obviously, uh, and use firearms, we've seen people smuggling guns across the border. We've seen uh, gang bangers, if I can use that uh, term. We've seen, uh, geez, we've seen right through to drug dealers and that. But 
it seems like that select group lane gets gets a free pass with the the justice departments and the laws obviously when it comes to firearms but for us guys that when the gun registry was in there uh, we had that whole hurdle where we followed the protocols we registered our guns we did everything but bend over backwards and say hey we're, we want to pay you guys that allow us to keep our guns like they just keep taking 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 yeah. and i know when uh minister uh the lane as it uh uh geez slip my talking, talking about blair or are you talking blair, about good ale uh, not blair uh he was the mp uh for safety uh uh good ale good ale before him no nope. so bill, bill, bill blair bill blair's the public safety minister right now before him it was uh ralph goodale ralph goodale i mean for the conservatives when the conservative party oh, was stephen uh, blaney yes blaney yeah Blaney uh, actually did some reversals of some stuff, and uh, yeah. everything seemed to work smooth. A common sense approach, I believe it was. The Common Sense yeah. Firearm Licensing Act, Bill C-42, uh, we, um, uh, again, we, we understand that law-abiding firearms owners aren't the problem, so we uh, got rid of some uh, useless paperwork uh, for authorizations to transports for uh, uh, handgun owners, um, uh, made it easier for you to uh, go between the range and your house without having to call and ask permission to do so first. Uh, so just a few common sense things like that, uh, making sure that there was a, uh, if there was an administrative lapse in renewing a license that you weren't in, uh, you weren't going to go to jail for uh, the government not getting your license processed in time because you have to have a valid license to be in possession of a firearm. So we did, a, you know, some, some things like that. And, um, I, you know, it, it was it was common sense. It was um, it was uh, well intended. And of course, at the same time, we strengthened penalties uh, for uh, criminals and those who use firearms in the commissions of uh, intended offenses. Uh, and that's where uh, the government needs to focus its approach right now. The current government uh, uh, is playing politics with this issue, with our misinformation uh, that they're putting out there, uh, saying things like you don't need to show your license to buy a gun at the counter. Well, you uh, actually do need to provide uh, your possession uh, acquisition license or your uh, RPAL uh, to do so, even though it, it might not have been put right in the law, but it says that no person shall be sold one without one, so you have to show it. Um, so, you know, little things like that, little uh, misinformation campaigns that uh, accumulate up to a, a large misinformation campaign. We've asked uh, the, the Hunting and Angling Caucus, of course, has been providing tons of advice to uh, not only our own party, but um, uh, working hard with other uh, groups in, in uh, Canada, such as uh, the firearms groups, CCFR, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association, and so on. We work uh, with those uh, folks uh, very well, and we coordinate with them. Um, to make sure that uh, we actually get it right and we know that we're, we know what we're talking about. And of course, we get up and we ask questions in the House of Commons. We've got up and asked questions during the COVID committees. I've asked uh, myself, Bob Zimmer, the MP for uh, Prince George Northern Rockies in BC and some of my colleagues from across the country, we've all got up and asked questions uh, to which we've got answer, answers that are actually uh, not true. Uh, for example, I've asked uh, Bill Blair several times, have any 12-gauge shotguns been prohibited? And he says no. Uh, anybody that has access to the firearms reference table knows that that's an out and out untruth uh, because many 12-gauge uh, shotguns have been moved from either uh, non-restricted or restricted to prohibited. And uh, it's going to be very, very, um, it's very, very frustrating because uh, uh, with Parliament basically being shut down since about mid-March and now the prorogation, we can't get the answers to the questions uh, that we normally are able to. And um, that's not an accident. Uh, the government is on the run. Uh, from its uh, decisions and from the things, some of the things that it's done, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, at the earliest opportunity replacing this government and uh, focusing our resources on criminals, on smugglers, 
on those that intend to do harm in our communities and leaving law-abiding firearms owners alone. Perfect, because I'll tell you, it's it's just a, a gang show when it comes to watching some of the stuff that comes out of Bill Blair's mouth in regards to firearms. Because I've seen here at the local stores, uh, when they had the POL and then the PAL, uh, if you went in with a POL, you couldn't purchase nothing. You, you couldn't buy so much as a box of ammunition. And some of the inconsistencies that he's preached about and put out there, like, uh, like it's, it's, I don't want to say it's funny to watch him squirm and turn blood red when he gets caught in his lies, but, uh, it's, uh, it's amusing to watch because geez, groups like, uh, Tony's group there and, uh, Tracy's group, Rod, they do so, so much, uh, uh, across Canada, obviously, uh, for firearms owners it's it's just one of them yeah. things that uh i believe there's what four or five cases now going before the the courts now yeah, they're working hard they're working really yeah. really hard and uh if they're you know I, I i would encourage people who are watching this to follow the conservative hunting and angling caucus that doesn't cost you anything but uh i don't know if it's appropriate for me to suggest this but uh to my fellow canadians at least uh, that are watching this if uh if you care about your firearm and your ability to own a firearm um, you know, other than changing the current government, there's only one political party. Uh, I'm going to be quite quite honest. There's only one political party. That's my political party, the Conservative Party of Canada, that actually respects and supports law-abiding firearm ownership in this country. And uh, there are a number of groups that are out there, and I would encourage you to look at each of them. And if you're not a member of one of them, get involved and become a member of one of them because they are fighting hard for you, and uh, they do make a difference. For sure. And uh, it's... Uh... It's, it's great to see because for so long we've been left behind on having voices in Ottawa to, to touch on anything, obviously. So so coming from a guy on the East Coast, uh, thank you. Thank Bob, Robert Sopak, uh, the guys that have really led the way uh, to uh, try to make uh, changes, obviously, because it's it, for so long we've been pushed aside and left there while all the meanwhile they continue to take uh, the revenue that, generated by the natural resources that our our hunters our trappers our anglers all utilize obviously yeah. uh, sometimes they don't they don't realize the big picture with the money spin-offs that uh, are created and uh, the income that comes and and it's it's income from that is formed of new monies it's just not money that's going to be spent in Canada anyway it's money that's coming in as new money so it's well, you know what? It, it's really important, Jeff, and I'll, I'll just go back and give people an example. Um, you know, there's, like I said, there's more people in Canada that uh, that go fishing than play golf and hockey combined. And if you think about it, that's a tremendous amount of political power that you have because you also all have the ability to vote. Anybody that buys a fishing license is also old enough to vote. So um, there you have it. I mean, if, if these things matter to you, and I'll go back to uh, Bill C-246. There was a liberal MP put on the... Uh, order paper back uh, when uh, Justin Trudeau uh, first became the prime minister. And that piece of legislation was an animal rights bill that would have actually created a whole lot of confusion as to whether or not you could even uh, kill a fish after you kept it or uh, put into question uh, being able to uh, uh, ethically harvest uh, wild game in this country. So um, you know what, you've got, uh, you've got time, you've got talent, you've got treasure as Canadians, we all do. And um, you know, if this is an issue that's near and dear to your heart, it's, uh, it, it really does make a difference. Um, who you're supporting, and uh, I'm—I I think it's obvious on the wall behind me uh, where my heart's at. And um, <laughs> this is who I am. I, I don't stand in front of uh, 
uh, rows and rows and rows of bookcases and pretend that I've read all those books. I've uh, caught that fish. I've shot that deer. I've harvested that turkey. And uh, this is this is who we are, and this is uh, what we uh, believe in, and uh, we're going to continue fighting as uh, as uh, conservative MPs and members of the Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus, and uh, standing up for our proud uh, traditional uh, outdoor way of life and promoting it. Uh, there's no reason at all why um, why in the classrooms of this country we shouldn't be learning about the, the very valuable aspects of conservation through hunting, angling, and trapping. And you know what? I agree 110% on that one because. It wasn't that long ago, back 50 years ago, you could drive into the schools. You were you were learning about different uh, aspects of hunting. Uh, wasn't well when you hear from grandfathers and fathers. They used to go to school with the, the rifle rack in the back window with the rifle sitting in it, and there was never any issues, right? But uh, unfortunately, times change, and uh, it's it's not always as the way it was. But uh, I'll tell you, you guys are doing a bang-up job trying to fight for uh, us guys on this side. Uh, now, I know some people will say, well, it sounds like you're, you're supporting one party over another. Well, hey, in this case, I'll be quite honest. I'm supporting the party that supports the guys that like to hunt and fish and angle in Canada. Uh, so, so with that, if somebody wants to take it as a, a plug for the Conservatives, take it for a plug for the Conservatives. But I don't see the Liberals. I don't see the NDP. I don't see the Greens. Uh, what I do see from other parties, though, is a lot of more policy-driven uh, approaches to affect us and uh, rule with an iron fist to, to, to pretty much, I don't want to say kill, but I guess I, I'll use it, kill the Canada's hunting heritage, obviously. So you just have to take a look at it. I mean, the actions speak louder than the words. And um, they pulled all the funding for uh, for um, uh, the Government of Canada's advertising campaign. There's the Government of Canada used to advertise that uh, Canada's a great place to come and uh, go hunting and go fishing. They pulled that funding. It's, it's all sorts of these examples of cumulative effects where the current government simply does not value uh, hunting, trapping, and fishing. Um, they'll, they'll give us platitudes, but they uh, actions speak louder than words. And that's... Um, that's why we're the only party. We're the, there, there is no other political party in Canada at the federal level that has a hunting, angling, uh, you know, hunting and angling caucus. We're the only one, and uh, you know we're happy. Like I said, we're this is the this is, we're passionate about this. This is the love of our life as well, and uh, we're going to continue to fight and um, make sure that we can continue on with our like I said, our proud legacy, our proud traditions, and it matters from a conservation perspective as well. It absolutely matters because we're the ones that are out there on the land, like I said, on the stream banks, on the lakes, on the ocean. We see firsthand what the truth and reality is out on the ground, uh, and we need to be respected and listened to uh, as a group because uh, because there's a lot of us, and we need to make these issues uh, front and center uh, in the next election. For sure. And Blaine, I just brought up the, the Facebook page for viewers that are tuning in. Anybody that wants to uh, check them out, Conservative Hunting and Angling Caucus. You can find them on Facebook as well. They are also on Instagram. All right. So, but uh, yeah, George, Blaine, uh, I, I appreciate your time uh, being on the show. Obviously, it's, uh, it's great. Uh, I know we said 30 minutes roughly. Uh, we're a little bit over, but uh, I think we touched on all the key questions that uh, I had. And People, uh, I was hoping for a little bit more uh, viewer engagement with comments and that, uh, although we displayed that earlier. But, but you know what? Uh, I'll tell you, uh, it's it's been huge. Uh, the viewership uh, and people reached uh, just on this alone has been tremendous. And uh, I will remove you here from the feed, and I'll come All back right. if you got ten Thank minutes, you. Blaine. 
You bet. Uh, unless you want to say any other final words to no, the viewers, just, just uh, keep hunting, keep uh, keep your lines tight, keep your uh, aim true, and uh, continue doing what you do. Uh, if you like to go hunting and fishing, uh, have a great, successful, and safe fall out there in the in the woods, and uh, hope to see you on the mountain. Perfect. Thanks for being on the show, Blaine. I'll be back with you in a second. So, fellow hunters, trappers, and anglers, uh, there you have it. Uh, we had MP Blaine Hawkins uh, on the show there today talking about uh, what the hunting and uh, the conservative hunting and angling caucus does. Uh, Blaine is the chairperson for, for that. So if you have any issues uh, or questions or concerns or anything that uh, may be something that needs to be addressed in Ottawa, feel free to reach out to them on the conservative hunting and angling caucus, both on Facebook and Instagram. So until the next show, uh, I appreciate you all for tuning in, and we will see you again. Thank you.